I have a question for you this morning. When was the last time you took a moment to take a step back, to take a moment away from the busy to-do lists and just breathe in and out, resting in the presence of God? Maybe it's in the morning when you wake up and have your coffee. Maybe it's after a long day's work when you come home or shut off your computer. When are the moments you take to step out of your daily business and just sit in the present moment with God. I don't do this as often as I should, but I try to practice this every Thursday at 1230 with our prayer group. We open our time of prayer with an intentional pause and breath, a moment to disentangle ourselves from the barrage of commitments and daily life because Lord knows we need it. These moments help us let go, however briefly, of whatever myopic lens we may have accumulated throughout the week, allowing us space to breathe and see the bigger picture. These moments help us to let go of the weight of the world around us and remember that God is indeed here, alongside us and within us, feeling the weight of the world with us, navigating the beauty and brokenness of the world with us, and making all things new through us. These are important and integral moments to foster in our lives and faith because they help balance out the pull from the weight of the world around us. And that weight has become very heavy on our shoulders and on our hearts as of late. When we don't take these moments to step outside ourselves, there are very real consequences. This pause, this reset, whether a simple breath or an opening prayer has always been a helpful tool when I can feel myself beginning to buckle under it all. The exhaustion, the anger, the sadness, even the joys and the excitements. Sometimes we just need a moment to breathe and step back. Sometimes I need a moment to reorient and ask the question, where are you God? What's going on here? Why does my soul feel unsettled? Sometimes we know the answer and just need to take the time to name it to ourselves, but sometimes we don't. Often things just get going so fast that it's all we can do to keep our head above water. And that's okay. It's only human nature to get swept up in the gravity of our own worlds. Nothing is more powerful than experiencing the love, the complexity, and the beauty this world has to offer. Each life we build and create is steeped in those deep experiences that guide how we make sense of the world. We are divinely created meaning makers. It's what we do. It's how we survive. Through all the ups and downs, we long to seek, to find and to create meaning in everything and everyone around us. It's how we make sense of ourselves, of one another, and of God. But if we're not careful, it's how we get lost in our own worlds, confusing our meaning-making for the wisdom and will of God. So what happens when we start to lose that perspective and get a little too sucked into our own orbit? Often we get tunnel vision. Things start to snowball. We begin to believe that everything must have an answer. And we don't take that moment to breathe, 
to pause, to remember and reorient. For me, what that looks like is I become more rigid. I want to take control of things more and am driven usually out of whatever emotion or anxiety that's taken the wheel. This is what happens when we try to become, even without realizing it, the gods of our own universe. We lose the space to breathe and sit with ambiguity. We instead replace it with the desire for answers, for certainty, for power and control. We lose whatever capacity we had for flexibility, for mystery, for grace. We lose sight of the bigger picture. And that is a fundamental piece of what is happening here in our Galatians text. This is a community of believers that Paul has nurtured from the start. Galatians is thought to be the oldest of the Pauline letters, meaning that this is a glimpse of the early, early church. They are on the ground floor of the apostolic movement, figuring out what it means to be a follower of Christ. While Paul was with them, they were deep in that new meaning-making process. They were building a new community and being steeped in those deep experiences that guide how we make sense of the world. They were wrestling and reconciling with what it meant to claim that there was no longer Greek nor Jew. They were discerning what it looked like to be called by freedom and live by the Spirit. Now last week we heard Steve say that the truth of this claim and this call is that it looks a lot like loving our neighbors as ourselves. It usually does. The community in Galatia here are relearning and reshaping what this ancient truth from the Hebrew scriptures looks like in the aftermath of Jesus Christ. Amidst the confusion and the discernment, this community had a leader who was reminding them to take a step back and breathe it all in. Paul was continually reorienting them toward this radical new reality with Christ at the center of all things. But then Paul leaves. And we soon hear that things begin to snowball. A new group has come to town, declaring that the only way to be sure you are right with God is through circumcision. The arguments and confusions ensue. Everyone begins to get sucked into their own orbit, and the rigidity starts to set in. Suddenly, it is not Christ at the center of all things but the longing to be certain and control who gets to Christ. This is nothing new. As humankind, we have been struggling and failing against this seduction of power and control since the dawn of time. Power and control rears its ugly head again here, except this time it is taking a deeply meaningful covenant ritual that has offered Israel an inextinguishable hope through the most desperate times of diaspora and using it as a means to control who does and who does not have access to Jesus Christ. This letter is Paul trying to pull them out of their own tightly wound orbit to redirect their attention to the bigger picture of Christ, to remind them of the truth of what it means to be divinely created meaning makers in this world. And that truth is that our meaning making 
should only ever seek to draw us near to and affirm the mystery and the love of God. We were never asked to define God. We were never asked to confine God. And we were never asked to align God solely with certain groups or peoples. That is the siren call of power and control. Paul is writing in large letters, he says, for all to see. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. Paul is saying that God does not belong solely to the circumcised or uncircumcised. God doesn't belong to anyone. And in fact, it is we who belong to God. This false dichotomy that the Galatians have been sucked into is an attempt to control one another and to predict and control access to the salvation of Christ. I don't think they're doing it maliciously or even consciously, it could be argued, but when we begin to fall back into the desire for certainty and for control, and we let that desire govern our actions towards God and one another, we begin to think we can police one another, police one another's bodies, and define what the perfect candidate for God's grace looks like. This is exactly what Paul is pointing to when he says, if you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. The love and grace of Christ does not come from what we do or do not do with our bodies. If it did, we would all be in big trouble. <laughs> when we tether that grace to something we can control, we have not only put ourselves in God's shoes, but we have missed the point of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that our actions hold no consequence. That's the whole paradox of our faith. How we act often affects the people we love, affects the strangers we've never met, and affects the neighbors we are called to love. What I am saying is that when we start seeking to control one another rather than be in relationship with one another, we have put the cart before the horse, so to speak. Relationship with God and each other is all we were ever called to. It should be the guiding light for seeking and creating meaning in this world. Questions like, does this help me understand my neighbor more, can act like a compass, reminding us where true north lies. If we're brave enough, we can even ask ourselves the question, do my actions and beliefs draw me into deeper relationship with God and neighbor or a deeper sense of self-righteousness? It takes courage and vulnerability to stay in authentic relationship with God. So, we are justified by faith through grace alone, but free will matters. It matters because we do not exist in a vacuum. It matters because, as Paul writes, we are called to bear one another's burdens and work for the good of all. And that requires deep and abiding relationships, not rules. We are called to the work of hospitality, compassion, justice, and to the work of love. We're called to help each other thrive, and none of these things can truly exist 
if we're too busy policing each other and playing God. Being the body of Christ takes work. It requires us to set aside our busy world and constant quest for certainty for just a moment, to take a breath, to take a step back, and remember that God is God, not us. I'm so struck that this text would fall in the lectionary right after the wreckage of Roe v. Wade, because it feels like a prime example of what's going on here in Galatians. Those in positions of power have gotten sucked into their own orbit, unable to see true north and ask themselves the questions that draw them back into that relational community. Instead of taking a breath, instead of taking a step back to remember the bigger picture, the call to work for the good of all, the decision was for power and control. They chose to play God. And no matter what side of the argument you fall on, if we believe and embrace the truth of Jesus Christ, we know that God's love and mercy is not predicated on the policing of one another's bodies, just as it is not predicated on the policing of circumcision or uncircumcision like we read here. God's love is not that rigid. It exists in the beautiful, complicated, paradoxical, and courageous relationships that we create with one another. We will be redeemed and made new through the abundant love and grace that we share with one another. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. This is the closest we should ever become to playing God. I hope that through the coming months, really throughout the entire journey of our faith lives, that we never forget, especially in times like these, to make time and space to take a breath, to rest in the presence of God, because it is in the quiet presence of God that we can feel relief from the weight of the world. We can resist the desire for power and control, and we can see the bigger picture, the bigger picture that Christ came to draw us together not tear us apart. When we take those moments to ask, where are you, God? What's going on here? We maintain the capacity to pull ourselves out of our own orbits. When we can do this, we retain the wisdom to remember where true north lies, and we remain open to the mystery, the humility, and the abundant grace of the Holy Spirit. So, Instead of policing each other's bodies, may we seek to embrace them. Instead of seeking control and judgment over each other, may we seek compassion and companionship with one another. And throughout all these things, may we keep the radical truth and love of Jesus Christ at the center of our worlds. The truth that no matter what we do with our bodies, circumcised or uncircumcised, Nothing can take away our identities as beloved children of God. Amen.